Today we have a wide range of regular pentagons. They're all exactly the same size. They've got five edges that are the same, five angles that are all the same, all 108 degrees, and they come in six different colors. And our question is, if you have a whole bunch of these flat, like 2D polygons, and you start sticking them together, how many different 3D polyhedra can you make? And I'm gonna say convex, polyhedra, which means like no holes in them, no weird sticky out bits, just like a perfectly normal 3D polyhedron. So if you'd asked me this question not that long ago, I would have said one. Well, I would have said one, maybe two, if you're being generous, but it turns out there are eight. Eight. Let's have a look at them. We'll get the two cases that we all know and love out of the way first. And we can find them by just seeing how many pentagons you can fit around a single vertex. So the standard one would be three, but let's, let's not rush ahead. Let's start with one. Um, can you have one pentagon around a vertex? Well, not really, but let's just pretend you can. So that angle there inside the pentagon is 108 degrees, which means we're missing all the way around here. That's a missing, oh, it's gonna be 252 degrees we need to make up the full circle. Now, the next step up would be to have two pentagon corners meeting at a vertex, which means we're missing, we're deficient by this amount here, which is 144 degrees. So if we wanna take these from being arranged flat on the surface into being a polyhedron, we need to close that gap. So to close that gap, well, we'd have to just fold them, I mean, like that, technically. I mean, well, let's tape it together. Hey, there we go. I've just stuck two pentagons back to back. Technically, this is what's called a double covered pentagon, but I think it fulfills all of our requirements. So it's, it's not concave. Is it convex? Sort of, it's the limit between the two. Every vertex has got two different planes meeting at it. There's no gaps. I mean, yeah, there you are. This is what's called a degenerate polyhedron, which means, degenerate just means it's right, right on the edge. It's a weird edge case, uh, often missing some properties we would like, in this case, not being flat, but technically that fulfills our requirements. The requirements are, it's always edge meeting edge, and we technically call this a gluing, although I'm using tape. Um, yeah. Now you might say, actually, if you inflate it, well, that would count, like we're gonna blow it up to make it more 3D, but actually, that would mean the surfaces are no longer planar. So the, we want each face individually to be perfectly flat, so the inflating thing's not gonna work. So there you are, technically, that's the first polyhedron you can make from sticking together regular pentagons, albeit a degenerate case. Let's move on. Our final case involves three of these, leaving a final missing gap. If that's 108, that gap there, that angle of deficiency is 36 degrees. And if we go any further than that, if we try and wedge in a fourth one, it doesn't fit. So you know what? Let's carry on with this one. Let's get three, stick them together, continue that, and see what shape we end up with. So there it is. This is the dodecahedron, uh, one of the platonic solids. Lovely shape. I mean, I'm a huge fan of this as a shape. It's often just called the dodecahedron because it's got 12 faces, but frankly, I've got my rhombic dodecahedron over here, which is my favorite of all the dodecahedra, and it's got 
rhombic faces. So strictly speaking, this should be called like the pentagonal, the regular pentagonal dodecahedron or the platonic dodecahedron. Those are all acceptable and uh, quite a famous shape and uh, where's uh, quite an embarrassing shape. So there's two, but I've promised eight, which means there are six more uh, either somewhere between these two or even more complicated than the dodecahedron. And we're going to start by one that we've already accidentally implied the existence of. Remember when I said we need to inflate this? Well, that is how we find another one of them. We just need to inflate it in a very mathematically precise manner. I'm going to stick two of these together again, exactly how we started when we made the degenerative polyhedron. But now before I just fold that in half, I'm going to score some extra fold lines on it. Give me one second. Okay, uh, successfully, without scratching the table, I've managed to add in these extra fold lines. So now I can fold, look at that, I can fold the pentagon back on itself. And actually I've got a bunch of these, so I'm going to fold all of these, and then I'm going to stick together our new shape. Okay, within the tolerances of my ability to tape things together, oh, <laughs> that's a little bit more uh, misaligned than I would like, but that that's it. There's the shape. Check it out. So it's basically this, but inflated, but not exactly the same matchings because I've got here, this vertex at the top is the blue attached to the blue to make that. So actually, that's our original case. That was our case here where we're missing 252 degrees worth of circle where we're like, eh, doesn't matter. Make some folds. It's super pointy because we're only working with 108 degrees total, but that 108 degrees is now split across one, two, three, four different faces. And those four faces come together and give us a really pointy corner. And then we've got the other ones all the way around the other. Look how, look how cool that is. That is a convex polyhedron made from sticking two regular polygons together. So amazing. And that sits between our degenerative case. That's then the next case up. Then there's some more. And then there's this one. And then maybe there's some more. Can we prove where we're going to find the, uh, well, of course we can. That's exactly what we're going to do now. We're going to prove, we're going to prove where they are. In mathematics, if you want to learn something or discover something about shapes that don't exist yet, or you don't even know if they do exist, you just start by listing out all the things which must be true if these shapes happen to exist. So what do we know about if you combine a bunch of regular pentagons together into a polyhedron? Well, we could count, we can count the number of corners, and by corners I mean the original ones on the pentagons, because you're going to have, let's say you've got n pentagons all joined together, and each of them brings five corners to the party, you know there's going to be five times n corners across the entire shape. But we don't really care about corners, we care about the three-dimensional vertices. And there's going to be three different types. There's going to be the type where it's a single pentagon making up the whole vertex, like we've got on the end there and the end there. There's ones where there's two shapes that make up the vertex, like the ones around like the equator of this one. And then you've got the case where three pentagons all meet to make a vertex. So we're going to call that type X, type Y, and type Z. So we've got some amount of type X, we've got some amount of type Y, and some amount of type Z. And actually, type X always is just made up of one original pentagon corner wrapped around itself. 
type Y is always two and X is always three. So actually this total number of five corners that's distributed across, there's one in each of the X's, plus there's two in each of the Y vertices, plus there's now three in each of the Z vertices. And this works, so if this case here, if you multiply, with this case there's no X's, there's no Y's, you've got five times N, which is gonna be five times 12, that's 60, and there's 20 type Z's times three each, 60. And the same thing if you want, you can double check, it works for this one. That's our first relationship we know must be true. The second one is even more fun. Does it look like a regular pentagon? <laughs> Let's just go with it, that's now a regular pentagon. So we're gonna start one dimension lower then work our way up. And so when you've got a regular 2D polygon made of straight edges, if you imagine taking, taking a pen and moving it from there to there to there to there to there to back where you started, if you think about it, this pen has just done a 360 spin except instead of spinning on the spot, it slowly rotates as you go from side to side to side. And if you think, well, hang on, where's that 360 degrees coming from? Well, if I was to extend this edge, extend that edge and this edge, and then down there, I've now got these five external angles there. And each one of those, is the amount the pen rotates to get to the next side and then rotates to get to the next side. And so actually, we know the sum of these external angles for any polygon must add up to 360 degrees because as you go around from edge to edge to edge, you do a full rotation. It's a fun fact, you may remember learning that at school. There's an equivalent fact for a 3D polyhedron. So this here is like, that's our deficient angle. So instead of being flat, a straight line, that's how much we're missing, which causes this curvature. Well, we have the same idea here. That 36 degrees is how much we're missing to get the three-dimensional curvature. And it turns out if you add up all these deficient angles, they're often called the Gaussian curvature of that point on the polyhedron. If you add up all the Gaussian curvatures, so all those missing angles across an entire polyhedron, you don't get 360 degrees like you do on a 2D polygon. You actually get twice that. You get 720 degrees. And so we can write out in general, if you add up the X and the Y and the Z types of vertices, the number of degrees, we know how much they're each deficient, the total will always be 720. Let's write that down. 720 degrees equals, well each of the X types gives us 252 degrees, plus we're gonna get 144 degrees deficiency from each of the Y types, plus we're gonna get a mere 36 from each of the Z types. And so now we've got two independent relationships that links the number of pentagons we stick together with the number of each of the possible types of vertices. Now we just see what this tells us about these hypothetical shapes. First thing we can do is combine and simplify these down. There's simultaneous equations. You may have done this a lot before. Uh, I'm gonna skip straight to the punchline. If you combine these and cancel out as much as you possibly can, you can reduce it down to x, plus y plus z, which is nice because that's just the total number of vertices, equals two plus one and a half times n. So uh, I'm gonna do one, yeah, 1.5 times 
n. Isn't that great? So we know that relationship must hold for any shape where you start sticking regular pentagons together. And you can double check it because we know here we've got 12 pentagons. So 1.5 times 12 is 18 plus 2 is 20. And sure enough, if you add up all the vertices, there are 20 of them. And when here, the base case, we've got two pentagons. 1.5 times 2 is 3 plus 2 is 5. And sure enough, there are the five vertices around the edges. But can we use these equations to actually tell us where we're going to find these shapes? Or rather, are there more complicated shapes than the dodecahedron? Or do all of the unfound ones sit between the degenerate case and the dodecahedron? Well, we can try and just max out the number of vertices. What's the highest possible number of vertices that any of these shapes could possibly have? Well, if you look at this equation, I mean, that's the smallest coefficient of any of these. So if we want to have the maximum value for x plus y plus z, we don't want to use these bigger coefficients because we've only got a budget of 720 degrees. So if we set x equal to 0, if we set y equal to 0, and if you do 720 divided by 36, then uh, z equals 20, um, that's the maximum possible value of x plus y plus z. The biggest this can possibly be is 20, which as we already saw before, corresponds to an n of 12. So that's it. That's the most complex, for some definition of complex, polyhedron you can make by sticking together regular pentagons. So now we know we can narrow our search down. All of our missing cases must be between this one and this one. And we've already found one of them. There's just five more to go. Even though we know the shapes are in this range somewhere, if you're thinking, how on earth, Matt, are you going to find a complete list of all complex polyhedron that can be made by gluing pentagons? Well, I'm just going to look them up in the paper. Here we have a complete list of all convex polyhedra made by gluing pentagons, which is where I first came across this. So this is from the year 2020. Some people went through and they found all of them. And they're the ones who discovered that there are only another five missing in here for eight in total. And the mathematics behind how they work that out is more complicated. It's beyond the scope of this video. I will link to the paper below if you want to check it out. But for now, I'm just going to follow their fantastic diagrams and I'm going to actually make all of these. There they are, missing shapes. Three of the shapes all involve four regular pentagons stuck together, and they all start with exactly the same shaped net. So I've actually got three copies of exactly the same net there. You can see they all line up. It's four pentagons joined like that. They're going to have different folds now, but the nets start the same. And I've actually picked my colors all match the colors in the paper. So if you do get the mathematical paper to have a look at it, it should all match up and the colors all correspond to exactly what I'm building. So it should all make sense. Right, let's get scoring. One of our shapes made from four, four pentagons. On to the next one. Oh, that's so nice. Oh my goodness. You know, the crazy thing is like I've read this paper, I've seen all the illustrations, but I never really understood these shapes and how beautiful they are until I started making them out of cardboard. Oh, I mean, maybe I'm speaking too soon. The rest are just abominations, but so far, mm, so pleasing.
How pleasing is that? Oh, what is this last one got in store for us? Huh. All right. Right, there's... It's a skinny individual. Look at that. So this central triangle of this pentagon joins up with this one to form this massive rhombus face there. So actually, you've got rhombus, rhombus. Yeah, it's, it's just rhombi. One, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so now we've got, uh, that's six of them. One, two, three, four, five, six. Two to go. This one's giving me very similar vibes to this one. But we'll see. I mean, the scoring pattern may not necessarily give me any kind of intuitive feel of the final shape. So that's just the, uh, the roller coaster ride we're on. <laughs> there it is. Look at that. That's such a crazy shape. So some of these I'm like, well, this one I kind of, I can imagine how you could imagine that. Whereas this, that's, this just reeks of computer search. One more, let's do it. There it is, oh my goodness. That's the final one. That is eight, eight, eight. Eight regular pentagons. Pretty magical. Okay, I'm gonna clear everything else of the way. Get a family portrait. Here they are, all eight of them. So we've got the degenerative case made from two, but we've also got a non-degenerate case made from two, which I think is very nice. There's then three here, which are each made from four individual regular pentagons. That one's my favorite. I call that one uh, the, the hamburger. There you go. The hamburger, the hot dog, the uh, whatever that is. Uh, then you've got this, this. Is that my favorite out of all of them? This one's six, that one's eight, that one's 12. So actually that's a really nice progression. It goes two, four, six, eight, 12. And actually, if you looked at our original formula where we had the 1.5 times the number of pentagons to give us the number of vertices, Vertices must be an integer. Number of pentagons must be an integer, which means we know it must be an even number of pentagons, which is why there are only solutions for two, four, six, eight, and 12. Interestingly, not 10. So I will link to the entire paper below. If you go through the rest of their incredible mathematics, they basically show why these are the only eight and they managed to rule out all other cases. And so we now know definitively, this is the entire family of pentagonal convex polyhedra. The obvious question now is what about other shapes? We've done regular pentagons. What about regular I don't know, heptagons, octagons. Well, it turns out for all cases, for regular polygons of seven or more sides, heptagons, octagons, nonagons, etc., you only ever get degenerate cases. You only get sticking two of them back to back. And if it's got an odd number of edges, you can fold it in half. The, the degenerative taco, we call that. So there's nothing exciting from seven all the way up. Pentagons, wonderful. Now, squares and hexagons have an issue because they can tile. So you can put three of them together to make a flat surface, which means they're, they're infinite families. And we'll ignore squares. I'll link to a paper about squares below. I will, however, talk about hexagons because hexagons 
And so in here, when the authors were looking at them, they would draw these little, these networks, these graphs to show you how all the various faces glue together in the gluing. And for hexagons, there are 10 families and there are infinitely many of them within these families, but there are 10 families of ways that you get the overall structure to the graph, which tells you what the polyhedron looks like. And they've only found the gluings for six of them. 10 families, six of them have been found, which means there are currently four, we know they exist, but there are four undiscovered gluings for sticking infinite families of hexagons together into convex polyhedra, which I think is very interesting. But the only really nice case, because seven and above, there's only boring ones. For six, for four, for three, it's chaos. It's just uh, infinite families. Only for five do we get this fantastic, neat, finite family of wonderful shapes, which is why these are my favorite of all the N regular polygons that form convex polyhedra. Check them out. Lastly, two interesting mathematical links. So one of the main authors on this paper is someone called Stefan Langerman, a uh, Belgian computer scientist and mathematician. And they've got loads of other interesting research papers about these sorts of problems. And over here, you may remember, because this, this seems a bit familiar, remember we had the same nets that fold into more than one cuboid, of which I've still got some here. That was thanks to our friend, Eric Domain. And Eric Domain, and Stefan Langerman have collaborated before, and one of their big bits of research was into, co uh, into Cookie Clicker. It's actually the 10th anniversary of a game called Cookie Clicker. They did the definitive guide to the mathematics of how to click to get maximum cookies. It's ridiculous. And you know what? If you want, I can do a video on it, but it won't be for me, it'll be for you. So if you want to voice your opinion on a Cookie Clicker, the math of cookie clicking. If we get over 50,000 likes on this video, I promise I will do that for the 10th anniversary of Cookie Clicker. But if we don't, I won't. And my videos do get over 50,000 likes sometimes, so it's plausible, but you need to express your interest in doing that. The other interesting link was when I realized Eric Domain, this is very Eric Domainy. So it turns out Jane Street, who are the principal sponsor of my channel, and they're sponsoring this video, they commissioned Eric Domain and their father, Marty Domain, to make a curved crease sculpture. So I've actually got a picture of it here. That, isn't that incredible? So it's bits of paper and they're all folded with curved creases. And they've actually made loads of these fantastic curved creases. Curved crease sculptures. I will link to the page with all of their curved crease sculptures below. And because Jane Street enjoy solving complex mathematics problems, they commissioned one made from bits of paper that contained maths problems. I think it's great that Jane Street are supportive, such a creative aspect of mathematics. And not only that, they like supporting maths education. I mean, not entirely altruistically. They hire a lot of mathematicians and computer scientists. And if you're a mathematician or computer scientist looking for a job or a student, considering a future job in those areas, do check out the jobs and internships and fantastic programs available at Jane Street. I, I think they're incredible and they make uh, what I do possible. They make other amazing bits of maths possible. So that's it. So do check out Jane Street if uh, you're looking for that kind of career and do like the video if you want to follow up about Cookie Clicker, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have to make that video. <laughs> well, you maybe can't hear, 
Alex, the camera person, is laughing because they know we're going to have to make that video. We're not. There's no way. 50,000 likes. It's not going to happen. Ha, 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 ha.